Hello and welcome to today's episode of TrekCast, the Real Estate Council's official podcast, coming at you from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for joining us. Today we'll be chatting with Ashley Fletcher and Stan Hart from the nonprofit Bike Friendly South Dallas, which operates in the Forest District neighborhood out of a facility that our 2019 ALC class renovated for their annual service project. The work was done in conjunction with Cornerstone Baptist Church as part of the Dallas Catalyst Project, and last year the WeCycle Resource Center opened to champion bicycles as a viable form of transportation within the Forest District community. Bike Friendly South Dallas offers bicycle maintenance education programs. They also coordinate pop-up bicycle repair events and group rides throughout the neighborhood. They even have after-school and work release programs where people can earn a bicycle. And as Stan and Ashley tell us in a bit, receiving a bicycle can really change a person's life. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you all. We recorded it in early May while the, Re- the WeCycle Resource Center was closed. It has since reopened and begun serving the community once again in a limited capacity. If you're new to the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow Trek on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and now YouTube. We'll link to all of our profiles in the show notes so you never miss an episode, video, or update. And with that, here are Ashley Fletcher and Stan Hart of Bike Friendly South Dallas, right here on TrackCast. Ashley, Stan, thank you so much for joining us today. How have you been doing amid all the craziness going on in the world right now? Well, right now we're doing pretty good because we're healthy and we're safe. Um, But it's been crazy um, with all the COVID-19 stuff going around and people, you know, trying to figure out how to abide by the rules, how to follow the rules correctly. Um, but I will tell you, it's really difficult because uh, Bike Friendly South Dallas, uh, we cycle resource center, that's our baby. And um, we started uh, after Trek finished the um, great project, we hit the ground running and we were launching programs and uh, getting people on bikes, earning bikes and things. And then uh, we geared up came for to, this. came to a screeching halt um, we're geared up we're geared up for maybe a <laughs> national bike month and then oh you gotta stop so it's been kind of hard throbbing but we're, like, you know, we're like everybody else i think trying to stay safe and abide by the rules i've i've got three strikes against me i'm old i'm diabetic and i'm copd so i can't afford to catch it so i've been quarantining up in hot springs for a weeks and then I came back to Dallas and I'm back up in Hot Springs now for um for a couple more weeks because Dallas got a little bit more active um increased in cases and stuff so it's you know it's hard um you know our it tugs on our heart to not be able to be there serving our community but it's we've got to be safe and be smart about it so so I'd like to take a moment, um, we'll get into all the COVID-19 stuff in, in a second, but I'd like to just let you guys both introduce yourselves to our members and describe your roles within Bike Friendly South Dallas. Can you tell us a bit about how the organization got started and how you connected with Cornerstone Baptist Church? Yeah, well, I'll tell you a little bit about how we got started and then Stan and uh, my other, our other board members, Doug, um, kind of 
push the cornerstone uh, into a corner and, and force them to give us a building. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Bike from South Dallas um, originated in uh, 2012. Um, it started out as a community, a uh, big community bike ride um, in hopes to encourage uh, South Dallas uh, Southern Dallas community to ride bikes as a legitimate means for transportation. And so um, do, in doing so, um, we organized community bike rides with uh, different uh, recreation centers, different uh, community um, uh, other centers that have kids, maybe possibly um, one being Race Hope. Um, we just took those kids, put them on bikes, and actually gave them some bicycle education. And that got a lot of um, uh, word of mouth people was talking about it so much to where people were showing up um, to our community bike rides and saying hey we really like what you're doing and how can we help and so um, after doing that from 2012 until about 2014 around the time I met uh, Stan and his wife um, we just decided to come together um, form a board and uh, really, really push programs um, in our community. And so by 2014, between 2014 and 2016, we uh, started our board and got a couple of team players on, on board with what we're doing, fixing bikes, uh, doing community bike rides, and just kind of popping up in the community and being more visual so that people can see that it's okay to ride a bike if you need to. I and think then after what, that, yeah, sorry. go ahead, Sam. So I, yeah, like she said, she she met my wife on a, on a ride, um, and uh, we volunteered for one of her rides in Fair Park. They were taking you know fifty to seventy five riders out of Fair Park, and what what I saw was the the need for for something there in that community because there it was a, not only a food desert; it's an everything desert down there, and. Um, uh, I saw the need, and I saw that I actually had the passion to it. So we we started talking, and and uh, we actually started in '16. We started just we we didn't have a shop, we didn't have a location, but we had we knew there was Doug, the other one of the other board members, Doug Gibson. We rode, we circled a neighborhood that at mm -hmm. at uh, over south of Fair Park, and counted 75 bikes that were sitting in. The front yard of of the house is there, and we said this this is where our first pop up is, and let's see where it goes from there. And for literally two years, uh, we were popping up every month and fixing bikes, anywhere from ten to thirty bikes in a few hours. Um, our biggest challenge was communicating with the with the folks that needed our services. So, in uh, in sixteen. Um, talking about get, how we got uh, associated with uh, Cornerstone, I was meeting with Dr. Francois Booker-Drew at Fair Park. We were looking for a storage place because I had an offer of a bunch of old bike share bikes. So I was looking for a, a warehouse to put 500 bikes. And I met with Francois and, and she said, let's go talk to Pastor Chris. So we went over and talked to Pastor Chris, and Pastor Chris had this building, um, the former, and I can't remember the name of the nonprofit that was in there. Um, Hands but, of Hope. Yes. And so he showed us this very dilapidated cinder block building um, that was formerly a food kitchen, formerly before that a liquor store, convenience store. 
And we saw that and he said, I'll let you have this for a year for rent free. And we said, fine, let's do it. So we, we started moving bikes in. We were getting bikes donated to us. Word of mouth was starting to get, get, uh, um, get done. Um, and then, I mean, literally, I, I, I can't remember how long it was after we were, we were prepared. We didn't care. It was a bike shop. We were in South Dallas. We were where we needed to be. And we yeah. were working with what we had. And that building was just not in good shape. No, 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 H, no HVAC rats in the, um, in the, the duct, in the um, the tile, <laughs> the leaks in the back, it was leaking water through the back wall. And I mean, it wasn't long after that, 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 uh, um, oh my God, I'm going to forget his name and uh, not pastor Chris, but, um, Donald, no, uh, uh, Donald Wesson, Donald Wesson Don came Wesson. to me and said, Hey, I've been speaking with the folks at Trek. And I said, the bike company? They said, no, the, <laughs> the real estate council. And I'm like, okay. And he said, they'd like to take on and refurbish the building for you guys. They liked the program because we were pretty active in the community as much as we could be without a, you know, permanent location. And I was just blown away because we felt, we felt, I mean, I, I, I felt, and I know the whole team did, the whole board did, was once we met with, with the folks at, at Trek and, and uh, Andrew and, and Kennedy and, and everybody, along with Donald and, and Pastor Chris, I mean, it was, it was a team and it was a, I mean, it was, we were, we were all on board. I mean, everybody was so um, helpful and you know, what do you guys want? What do you guys need? How do you want it? And I'm like, you're the, you're the pros. You design it. You, you execute it the way you feel necessary. I just wanted to make sure that we weren't there in two, three years that Pastor Chris had a building that he could use. It was more design it and make it a multi-purpose building, and which it really has turned out to be. We've been in it for a year now, and we do educational seminars and programs there. We have the ability to do classroom study. And plus we have the storage for the bikes and repair stands and repair stations. Everything, you know, and everything was donated by not only Freck, but other people in the community and organizations. We got so much more um, assets inside the building besides all of our bicycles that all we needed to do was um, was add the people. You know, we, right. we get the volunteers and figure out how we we do that. But we knew we also needed to to continue to pop up also, yeah. mm -hmm. because you can't serve the entire community from one location. That's just not going to happen. So mm -hmm. the, the the building at sixteen sixteen Al Lipscomb gave us the ability, the ability for a central point that if we were out popping up or just talking in the neighborhoods that we could say, Hey, come by and see us at the shop. Right. Could you give us a quick overview of, of what services the bike friendly South Dallas provides? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll start staying because I'll talk about um, the education. Talk so basically the three pillars. 
we have three pillars. And so uh, our three pillars is one is the uh, bicycle education where we do hands-on um, to classroom tutorials where we teach bicycle education from A to Z, um, from um, past bicycle um, education to what we expect to see in the future. So that's a class in itself. And we typically do those um, with the younger uh, kids from the recreation centers. Um, the last workshop we did was a four week workshop on, on four Saturdays. Um, and it started out with um, indoor classroom tutorials. And then we actually took them outside. Um, and then the very last workshop was when they actually did the full community ride with their vest on and their safety gear and all of that good stuff. And so that's one of the pillars. Um, and our other uh, pillar is we do um, bicycle uh, maintenance, right, Stan, yep. where we mentor um, and coach people on how to care and maintain their bicycles. And, and Stan, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. And, and give them the, the location for to come in and treat it as a community bike shop that they can mm -hmm. they learn how to work on their bikes. Or if they already know, they have the ability in our, in our resource center to work on their bike. Right. And then the third pillar is basically just outdoor, just organizing bike rides for events, community events. We try to we try to center our bike rides and our events around other things that's happening within the community to kind of get the community engaged with riding with us. So, yeah, the three pillars are educate, maintain and ride. So those mm -hmm. are kind of the way we and, and the, the resource center gives us the ability to do that. Um, and just being in the in the community so that's what that's yeah. what the um that's what bike friendly the three pillars the re the recycle resource center itself yeah is the ability to to do two of those pillars so like ashley said she brings classes in we do we do bike uh overview classes bike 101 we'll do learn to ride classes mm -hmm. inside and outside but that whole the way that Trek designed the, the facility what gives us that ability to kind of be modular to go, oh, we have two people to talk to, we have 20 people to talk to, and the way it was all laid out, it never interrupts our other. We can be doing bike maintenance on the other side of the room while she classes on one side. So that resource center is just a valuable asset to do a number of things or one at a time uh, without stumbling on each other i mean we're, we're very the <laughs> the other bike stops in town are pretty envious they walk in and go holy crap we you look at all the space you have and look at all the, and they just utilize from from uh, meredith and 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 andrew i mean those guys are just phenomenal in how they you know and plus they added some sense of design to it also with the colors and we love i mean we've taken the blue and the yeah in the green in the green and embraced it and said okay here's you know and they took it from us i mean they looked at our logo and said we see the blue and the green but just to expand on that inside the facility just it's it's such a pleasing people want to come by and i mean that's why it's kind of sad right now because it's almost a like a community shop people come by whether they need their bikes repaired or not but they'll come by just to talk and visit and see what's mm -hmm. new and cycling yeah what was this first year like uh, i mean did did it take a little while for the community to, to really get on board with what you guys were doing or mm -mm. The, the, the communities was hungry for i mean they're, <laughs> they just want to ride they, they yeah don't care what 
they're on as long as it rolls and as long as it rides. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of a learning curve. Our, our biggest, um, we're starting, I mean, we just, right when this hit, we were just starting to hit a stride to where we were getting, you know, we were open Tuesdays and Thursdays in the afternoon. We had a Wednesday night program and we had programs. We were getting ready to be open every Saturday if possible. Mm-hmm. We could mm-hmm. get volunteers in. So we were starting to to grow our hours a little bit when this hit. But um, but once they knew we were there, the word of, word of mouth is about the way it works down there. Because even at our pop-ups, we, we can get volunteers on Facebook and social media. It's getting the community because they're not always on those platforms. So we would literally go out and set up our pop-up shop somewhere in the community and know that we weren't going to see anybody for an hour, you know, once, but they would drive by and go, what are y'all doing? Well, we're fixing bikes. What's it cost? Nothing. I'm going to go get mine. So they, <laughs> they drag them. <laughs> or we take our ice cream cart out. That was at one of your, uh, uh, Kennedy took it over to one of the, the events or something. We had an ice cream cart. And so we played yes. Pied Piper. Dougie will get on the ice cream cart. And we'll go riding <laughs> during the summertime and we'll go riding through the neighborhood with popsicles in the, ice cream truck and we'll get a line of bikes following him back to the shop or the pop-up so it's greatness so how how have you guys adjusted to the quarantine how, how have you been able to serve the community during this time it's been a challenge um because of the nature of our our, our most I wouldn't say dedicated, but the, the, the volunteers that had been there running the shop, myself and Mr. Stanley, who's also on our board, we're both old. We're, we're 65 plus, and a couple other of the volunteers that were there on a constant basis, Scott Whitted and, and Richard uh, uh, Freeman, um, we're all old, and, and we, I knew that we couldn't stay open and, and risk the safety of not only the volunteers, the volunteers, yes, but the community. Because of na- where we are, uh, um, it's a different animal. Um, retail bike shops, you can drop your bike off and come back in two weeks. Here's, here's my bike, it needs this, and they can go away, and you can work in the privacy of the building. That's not our model. We, we, we expect our customers our community to come in and and earn the bike learn how to work on it and that takes one-on-one that takes interaction and everything and that's just not possible right now so we've had to stop our pro and even like ashley when she does the the programs the the riding programs and all that the community rise they just it just can't happen right now Mm -hmm. so we're um we actually tried to, we were closed for about a month. We closed at the beginning of March. Um, and so I don't know what this is. It's May now, whatever. I've okay. lost track. But so last <laughs> Friday, I was getting antsy. I was back in Dallas. I was getting antsy. It's like, oh, and, and I knew I was at risk, but I'm like, we got to. So we decided to open the shop as a drive through, you know, a, yeah. a pedal through. Because we opened the side door, we had a, we had air there, we had a maintenance stand, and we advertised and and uh, uh, and went out on social media and said we're going to try this noon to three on Fridays, and we you know we ended up helping 
dozen riders with their bikes. They knew we were there, but the, it, at the at, when it was over, I, I kind of looked at it and went, it's just not, we just can't risk this. Everybody was very good. They wore masks. They kept social distance, but it's just a different, when it's you're different. interacting that close with people, when you're showing them how to work on their bike or they're fixing their flat or something, it's not just, we just don't take it and do it and give it back to them. Yeah. And always, it's constantly a learning. Um, it's hands-on. It's a hands-on. Um, personal mentorship. Yeah, it, it's got to be. That's what our Earn-A-Bike program, because if you give, you continually just give bikes away or give whatever, they, they don't learn anything. They don't. If they get there and, and spend the time and the hours and volunteering and wrenching their own bike into shape to ride, they've earned it. And it means something. And it, and it stays with them, I think. In that first year, what kind of changes have you noticed in the community? Um, how, how can this kind of facility help transform lives in a community like the Forest District? Oh, wow. Besides, besides the kid, and I'll let you finish, Ash. Besides, you know, mm -hmm. seeing the kids get excited about riding their bikes for the first time and keeping their bikes, their tires filled up and everything like that and continuing to ride, what we've seen also, and it may be the nature of the location where we're at, there's a lot of transient population, homeless, transients, people. There's a bus stop just on the other corner of Irvine and Al Lipscomb. Mm -hmm. And people are either using that or they're walking to work. By the, by the ability of giving them a, a bicycle, it enables them to go a little bit further to find a better job. We've, we, people are like, they get on their bike and they go, wow, now I can, I can get to work on time. I can keep my job. I can better myself. I can then get into an apartment. We work with uh, a, a group that's down the alley and, and, they it's a it's a prison release program and they have to do community service to stay in that's one of the stipulations of staying in the uh, trinity uh, ministries trm and they so they come in and they volunteer they earn a bike then they've got a job immediately at either jimmy john's or a delivery or whatever <laughs> next thing you know they're they're coming in and trading their bike in for a better bike or they say, hey, we got a, I got a car now. Hey, I'm moving into an apartment. And you're seeing lives changing, getting better. And the kids in the neighborhood are embracing it. And they're, you know, they're learning to ride. They're learning how to work on the uh, uh, Tayshon, who spoke at the... Uh, the uh, um, it, it's Miss Grand Fondo. Miss Grand Fondo night um, is a perfect example. He's, you know, he come, he came in not knowing anything about the, uh, the facility, and now he's, uh, you know, he's coming in. He knows what to do. He just, I just point him at the workstation, and he goes and grabs the wrench and and fixes his bike, you know. And he's learned it, and he's embracing it. And he's, you know, great kid. Mm -hmm. So we're mm -hmm. seeing. It, and if we can, you know, it's the old starfish thing, you know. If we can help one kid, one person better themselves, yeah, we're successful. Well, mm -hmm. but we're not going to stop with one naturally, right? But mm -hmm. but we're seeing between between the transportation aspect and the learning to ride and the respect for their bicycles and stuff like that. Um, 
I, I see it. Uh, Ash? So Bike Friends of Dallas is one of the most unique bicycle resource centers that you will ever come across because of what we do with the three tiers. Um, no one is doing what we're doing. Um, when we created Bike Friends South Dallas and envisioned it, we envisioned it as being something that one person can do or a hundred people can do. Um, and so what we bring to the community is newness, freshness, um, and we bring fun to the community. Um, we always make jokes about kids ride bikes. Well, we're big kids. And so when people see us riding our bikes in the community, they laugh, they wave, they want to get engaged immediately. Like they, they get out of their cars, they wave us down. Hey, my baby has a bike that needs to be fixed. And we can tell them where to come now because it used to be a time when we would have to say, oh, well, we're popping up, you know, at Rochester Park or we're popping up. But now we can say, oh, we're popping up and we also have a building. And so we just bring some, we just bring something dynamic and, um, and um, some, a purpose to the community when it comes to mobility freedom. We make riding bikes fun. And I, and I think that the community appreciates that. Like, oh, these folks care about us you know mm -hmm. they, they care enough to to bring this to the community and i think that mm -hmm. makes a difference on how we're accepted and how we're because there's a ton of nonprofits that work down there not that we're unique not that we're special or anything mm -hmm. but but they accept us because we we don't take ourselves too seriously yeah we have fun but we also keep them we we require them to help also. We don't That's give, right. give stuff away. Can you tell me a bit about the work you guys are doing with Emmett Smith? Oh man. <laughs> you want to tell him Stan? <laughs> so um we were going to they he runs a grand fondo every year. And uh mm -hmm. last year the uh uh Dana the uh, uh her the E D for Emmett Smith Grand Fondo or Emmett Smith Charities reached out and said, hey, you want to sponsor a rest stop there? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, that sounds like a good idea. We can bring our tools. We can bring whatever to the to the rest area. And then once she came down and met in the, you know, everybody walks into that building. I mean, Pastor Chris will bring tours through. <laughs> it's a show place for him. I mean, besides the laundromat and the other Trek projects down there, it's it's a it's a beautiful building that people like to come to and she walked in and was like wow she goes okay I like the rest stop idea but um do you think that we bike friendly South Dallas would like to be a beneficiary of some of the the funds donated through Grand Fondo and I said yeah <laughs> look at this building she goes can we have our VIP kickoff night here in this building you know, where they normally do what, like ballrooms at hotels? Sure, yeah. High-end thing. And she goes, it would be so phenomenal to to clean this place up, which it didn't need much cleaning, needed or mm -hmm. straightening up. And yeah. To fit 50 to 75 people in there. But it was, you know, she showed it off as, you know, here's this, it gave, you know, 50 to 75 VIPs that were coming that are big donors with, uh, um, Emmett Smith Charities and the Grand Fondo, the ability to go, wow, here this this is who we're helping out with with some of these donations. And look at the look at the programs they do, look at the facility they have. 
and uh, it was phenomenal. So mm -hmm. yeah, we got a nice, we got a check for $2,500 from them. That we <laughs> that, uh, Grand Fondle. So that those, those monies just help us sustain our activities. Uh, right. Pastor Chris is very generous um, with rent and, you know, like, that was the other thing that, that came up because we had, we had thought we were going to have the building for a year. Well, when Donald and, and Trek and, and Andrew and, and Kennedy and everybody came and said, well, you know, if we're going to do all this renovation with substantial money output. Um, we're going to need a three-year commitment. And they were yeah. talking to me, and I'm like, uh, okay, hold yeah. on a second. And I called <laughs> Pastor Chris, and I said, Pastor Chris, they want to, they want us, they want to do three years. They want us in there for three years. And he went, you know, there's no no paperwork. No, he was like, is it going to help the community? That's his pact. Come to him and say, hey, we want to do something, like put bees on the roof. Is it going to help the community? Yes. Okay, then do it. He's, I mean, he's all, he's the most, a generous but passionate giving individual and that's one thing that that like i was saying well, i mean with with him it makes you want to do the right thing and do well for him right because he's got you know he he went to he gave he's giving to us so we're going to give back but it's right. the same way that i felt about trek and working with them they had the same passion for helping us as we have for helping the community. That passion is intertwined no matter who you talk to on this project and in our organization and the organizations that we deal with, whether it be Trek or Cornerstone Ministries, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I would be remiss if I also didn't ask you or rather, I, I would be remiss if I didn't also ask you about the bees. You mentioned them, and I'll let you tell the story, but Dan, you discovered a beehive in the walls of the WeCycle Center shortly after it opened. Yeah. How did happen? What did you do, and, and can you update us on what's happened with the bees since the quarantine began? Mm -hmm. So, um, and it was something that never came up during construction, but but it was during the winter months that the construction was happening. So they're dormant; they're not doing and the, meaning the bees. And so spring started to come, and I noticed these bees going in and out of this hole in this wall and the exterior wall um, of the building. And I'm like, that doesn't look right. Um, and then come to find out, we we. Uh, the American Honeybee Protection Agency, I happened to call them and they said, we'll come up from Austin and take a look and we'll do it for free. And I said, free's good because I was looking at beekeepers <laughs> coming in, ripping walls down. And I called Andrew and went, uh, we got bees in the wall. And he's like, what? Probably other words in, in addition to that. But, <laughs> um, and so they came down and, and he said, yeah, you've got some hives in there. He ended up uh, ripping the cinder block. I mean, so it was a cinder block wall. And, it, and the last thing I wanted to do was hurt what Trek had done on the end. Right. So it was like, can you do this and not hurt any? Because they had had drywall and there were studs on the inside and all this great paint. And he ended up ripping the wall down, not hurting the inside at all but took out three hives that were probably 
three foot tall uh -huh. um, that he said had been in there for about three years. And what he did was take the hives apart and put them into one box, one beehive, and put it on a roof. In, in the meantime, I had been in conversation with Pastor Chris going, can we put bees on the roof? And asked, <laughs> Will it help the community? I said, well, the idea is to do enough bees to get honey, process the honey, sell the honey, and put money back in yours in my pocket. And he said, fine, let's, let's do this. So we have got, we put one hive up, they came back and put seven more. So right now we've got seven hives still on top of the roof. Uh, winter time, they don't do a whole lot, but they're starting to get active now. Uh, one of our board members, Susan Reeves, has taken bee training bee with an actual bee keeper, and she's learned, she's bought the suit, she's bought, so we have our own resident uh, beekeeper now. So <laughs> once all this COVID stuff uh, gets out of the way, she's going to climb up on the roof and check on our bees. We don't know what's happening right now with them just because we haven't been up there to see what's going on, but we see them around, flying around, so they're active, and eventually we want to do more in that side lot next to the building adjacent to our container to provide um, bee-friendly uh, flowers and bushes and stuff to give the bees more and, and grow that a little bit. So I think this summer and fall will be uh, uh, adding to whatever is going on there with the, with the bees. But our buddies up there, are, it's a pretty, pretty funny. People look at the sign on, because I've got a caution, bees on roof, and they, they look at it and go, you got what? You got bees on the roof? <laughs> it scares people. <laughs> yeah. So, so the bees are there. They're uh, hopefully happy and content, and uh, uh, we'll see what we'll, within the next couple of weeks we'll get Susan up there in her bee outfit and uh, uh, check on them. And I'll give you an update. An update. Yeah. Great. I'd like to wrap up um, by asking you a question that I try to ask as many of our guests as I can. Trek's slogan is to build the city you've imagined. And it almost serves as a kind of challenge to our members to leave their mark on the real estate industry and the world. What kind of mark do you want Bike Friendly South Dallas and the WeCycle Resource Center to leave on the Forest District community? What kind of city do you imagine? Um, I imagine a green um, city. Um, I see that the city of Dallas is really making a lot of improvements with road infrastructure. And so I envision and I dream to see Dallas as a real true um, bicycle uh, safe, safe cycling uh, center. Uh, I'm sorry, city. And um, I'm also um, hoping and dreaming that one day people will feel comfortable and more comfortable and ride their bikes more because they see that the atmosphere has changed. It's gone from combustion in cars to more um, road infrastructure for bicyclists to ride their bikes. And not only just cyclists individually, but families. And so that's what I envision seeing one day is just looking outside of Bike Friendly South Dallas and just seeing nothing but families on bikes on the roads. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I, I think 
the more we can see people riding, the more that we're gi the, giving them the ability to, to keep riding, whether it's for transportation, exercise, or just just fun. And I see that the program Trek uh, is is doing in in that forest district, and we want to be right there with them. Yeah, and help whether it's it's helping out on other projects or or benefit or helping the community with cycling cycling safety and yeah. cycling repair so giving them the like i said it was a it was a everything desert but it's starting to blossom awesome. some things to uh prevent from staying that way i think yeah well just 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 overall we know that we're beautifying the community we're contributing to what trek is doing with you know beautifying the uh, neighborhood and really putting resources there that the neighborhood and the community can benefit from and so with us having providing mobility freedom and transportation we feel like we're contributing to that in a beautiful way and i think that what the smart thing Trek does is they're not just doing fluffy, pretty buildings. The the the, mm -hmm. the 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 facilities and the programs that they're getting involved with all mean something. All want to do something great uh, and build build that city that that we all envision. Whether it's whether it's cycling, uh, uh, you know, safety. Um, the, the laundromat that they finished, the giving the people the ability to to do that on their own. It's just um, those type of things. It's it's smart. They're they're smart people doing smart things to benefit the community. Right. Well, Ashley, Stan, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, <laughs> please stay safe out there as as we through this uh, this coronavirus pandemic together. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys out there on your bikes. Okay. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you for having us. That's all for today's episode. I'd like to again thank Ashley Fletcher and Stan Hart of Bike Friendly South Dallas for sharing their experiences in the Forest District with us. You can learn more about Bike Friendly South Dallas at bikefriendlysouthdallas.org and get involved with the Dallas Catalyst Project over at recouncil.com backslash DCP. Be sure to also subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app and follow Trek on social media. Once again, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.